Wow, what an interesting time we live in. Uh, I mean, it's so amazing. I can't recall uh, any season of my life has been anything like this. And uh, looking back at last year and looking forward to this next year, it's just, wow. But is it not a time to trust in Jesus? I mean, if you're not trusting in Jesus, I'm going to tell you, you're you're going to be shaken all over the place. I mean, he's the only thing that's stable in this world. And I'm glad that he is still on the throne. He's going to be on the throne. He's going to stay on the throne. And uh, he's waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. So I just want to encourage you, let's, let's stay focused on him. Uh, last week, Pastor Chris talked about vision. And uh, I'm going to, we're going to talk about that for the next few weeks here. Because it's so important that we recognize what we're supposed to do. If it's not clear, and even like this picture behind us, if you're not clear, what will happen is you won't do anything. And that's the way it is in life. If you're not sure what's supposed to happen, you, you, just, you won't move. And so we want to be as clear as we can. And uh, what is God saying to us? He shared last week about doing the works of Jesus out of Luke 4, 18 and 19. So if you are not here, I encourage you to go online and watch these various messages because we need to be clear about what is our assignment and what God has called us to so that we can do what he, what he created us to do. When we started the church, number of years ago now, um, everybody wanted to know, what's the vision? What's the vision? You know, what, what do you, what's the vision? I, go, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. We're just going to get together and meet. And, uh, but as we really talked about it, met about it, how could you have a vision other than what the Bible already says? I mean, it's not an option to go figure out something else to do. If we're ever going to be a, a Bible-believing people we have to do what God told us to do. And that's why, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, we should be very familiar with this. Uh, this is the passage of Scripture where Jesus, we call it the Great Commission. Uh, really, it's, it's, it's a repeat of what he created mankind to do in the very beginning. Uh, it's to represent him on earth. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What an amazing passage. Obviously, when whoever is leaving, whatever the assignment, whatever that job is, that last word they're saying is very, very important. And so... He is telling his disciples what's getting ready to happen, what, he needs to, what they need to do. I want to just walk through this passage. Uh, verse 18 says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Why that's so important is because when you think about authority, whatever job that you have is limited to the authority of the person that you work for. Whatever their authority is, if you're under that authority, it's limited to that. So what, whatever you can been given to do, that's the limitation. Well, there's no limit in Jesus. He has all authority. He has all authority in heaven. He has all authority on earth. He has it all. So there is no limit to, to his authority, and therefore he can commission us to go represent him. It's such an important issue because there is nothing that's not under his feet. If we're his body, there's nothing that's really not under our feet too. So 
There's nothing to hold us back to obey what God has called us to do. What's he called us to do? Go, make disciples. And that's really what he's saying here. Uh, you think about the word go. Um, you don't have to pray about going because you've been told to go. But here's the other thing about going. The word go is an indication that you have to move. You can't just stay seated. <laughs> you have to go. See, that's what he said, go. You don't pray about going. You have to go. You know, it is not, it didn't say, let's do something and then maybe this will happen. He just said, go. I want you to go. I want you to go represent me. That's what he's basically saying. And he's just saying, look, you got to go. And so the next question I have is, who is he commissioning here? Who's he telling to go? He's telling his disciples to go. So point being here is that, hmm, it's very interesting. So then it's an individual call to go. It's not just a, a church, you know, let's all get together and go, or a group, let's all get together and go. No, it's you go. Isn't that right? Yes. So again, there's not, it's, if we're going to be clear about this, he who has all authority has said, now you go. Go do what? Well, make disciples of all the nations. Now, interesting thing with that, we have somewhat translated that into just an evangelistic issue. You know, it exists to baptize them, obviously, and the, the Mark passage says the same thing. So we've, we've sort of made that just evangelism. Yeah, we're supposed to evangelize, and Pastor Chris is going to be very evangelistic, but at the same time, we have stopped there. We've made that the end goal. Let's go get people saved and get them baptized so they can get a ticket to heaven. That's not what this says. It says go make disciples of all nations, baptize them, right? Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. Because that's called discipleship. We're called, yes, the entry point is getting born again. But we have, we've stopped there. The traditional church has pretty well stopped right there. We've, we've made it our goal to go get people saved. And listen, what we see in this nation is a result of that. We got people that, quote, born again, saved, and we got some weird philosophy. They didn't get that from the Bible. Somehow they forgot to read that, the manual. But the fact is, is that, listen, we're, it's much more than, than evangelism. That's the beginning point, but it, the issue is discipleship. So what God has called us to is to make disciples. I mean, that's, that's really what he said, go make disciples. So he wouldn't give us a command. He wouldn't tell us he has all authority unless we can do it. So, I mean, it's not an issue. I don't know if I can do that. No, you can do it. You really can. But the point is, is that it's so important for us to not get not stopped. Now, here's the other problem that has happened in the church because we've sort of turned it into an evangelism deal. Like, okay, we're just people getting saved. Then we'll say, well, I'm not really, I don't have that gift. I'm not really evangelist. And, you know, and so we've sort of let the professionals do it. My Bible says we're all in the ministry. See, it's not, it's not an issue of different assignments but the reality is all of us 
are supposed to go make disciples. All of us are commissioned to go do that. So, but we have a tendency to put that off. We also have a tendency to put it off in looking for events. I'm looking for this event. You know, something's got to happen. Something's already happened. Jesus is alive, and he has the keys of death and Hades in his hands. See, we, we've got to quit looking for some event to change things. We've got to quit looking for some president to change things. Listen, Jesus has already made the way, paid the price, so that we can have life and have it more abundant now. It, like, like Kevin said, it's not everything's going to be wonderful. No, he said in the world, you're going to have tribulation, but in me, you've got peace. So we got to recognize that, wow, we have an assignment. That assignment is going to make disciples. It's not for somebody else to do. But right now, you need to think, okay, you need to think about making a disciple. How do you make a disciple? So you can't make a disciple if you're not a disciple. That's the problem. See, we've not been disciples. We've not been a disciple. I can't give away what I don't have. I mean, it's like telling me some kind of a, working on a, com, on a computer or something. I don't have a clue. I can barely get the thing to turn on, you know, much less use it. I don't have the skill set. So you can put a gun to my head and tell me to work on that computer. It just might as well shoot me because I got no clue how to make that computer work. So when we say, go make disciples, if, you've not, if you're not a disciple, you don't have a clue what to do. So now we found a problem. So again, if we're not disciples, you're not going to make a disciple. You've got no way of repeating something in your life that you don't have in your life. So we've, that's really the problem. So what, is it, what does a disciple look like? Well, and how do we do that? Every one of us have to take personal responsibility to be a disciple, to look like Jesus, to act like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did and is doing. Again, back to personal responsibility. No one can make you do something. The responsibility is to each and every one of us, hey, we're going to make disciples. I got to figure out what a disciple is. If I'm not a disciple, it's going to be pretty hard to obey God's commands. True? Y'all probably won't want, want me coming back and preaching. <laughs> Where is Chris when you? <laughs> See, it's really interesting because, you know, we, we, this is what we're called to do is make disciples. But you can't make a disciple out of somebody. You've got to choose to be a disciple. And that's what God is calling us to do. He's confronting us with the reality that, wow, what do we see in this land? What do we see in our nation? We're, we're seeing a, a mess. Why? Because we've not been making disciples. We've not been discipled, and we're not making disciples. Now, what's the role of the church? Well, the church is to equip the saints. Look at Ephesians. We've shared all this before, but it's so important, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, that Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till... We come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, we're supposed to grow up. It's not about, we're supposed to get, you got to get born again 
but it's only the beginning stage of a continuous growth and looking like Jesus. That's what he's called us to do. Church is to help us, to equip us to, to be able to, to keep moving on. Verse 14 says, so we're, not, we're no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every joint does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That's one of those real long sentences that I used to write that they said I couldn't do. In school, you remember that? <laughs> but the truth is, is that what he's saying here is that look, the, the, the job of the church is to help us to grow and keep moving. That's the reason we do the Wednesday night live. That's the reason we're focusing on teaching on Wednesday night, the reason that we do free indeed that's coming up in a couple of weeks, the reason that we do Monday prayer online, the reason that we have the different people that are leading different groups that are praying and, and ministering and praying for you. Uh, that's part of it, but it's not the whole thing. The whole thing is that you have to take responsibility for your life and for you to grow as a disciple. And I mean, no one can make you read the word. No one can make you pray. No one can make you get together with other believers, as the body says, and for us to be the body of Christ. You can't, nobody can make you do that. And so those are all things that are important for us to do because we need each other and we need to grow and help and to be who God's called us to be. So, shift gears here. What, um, what does a disciple look like? You ever thought about that? Again, remember the old jigsaw puzzles? I remember my mother would... You know, set out the card table, usually at the Christmas time, and there'd be a jigsaw puzzle, but she had that box over there you could look at. And if you didn't see that box, it just looked like a, I, I tried to push those things together, you know, all, you know, to make them work. But it, the blue doesn't go with the, with the other colors, you know what I'm saying? You could, and the frame on the outside, it doesn't fit in the middle. And so you need to see a picture. You need to know, what are you looking at? Well, let me just tell you what our model is. Jesus. He wants us to look like him. The more that we look like Jesus, the better people have of seeing Jesus today. If God put on flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory of that of the only begotten son. That God wanted us to see him, but said we couldn't see him because he's spirit. It's just impossible. He put on flesh so we could see him. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So what he's saying is, I want you to put me on, and I want you to act like me, and I want you to show me to the world around. Ever, the people that we live around, the people that we work with, the people that we're connected to. That's what our model is. I had a dream years ago, and in the dream I woke up and I had this four Ps. I thought, wow. And immediately in the dream, the Lord gave me Passion, purity, power, and prayer. If you old-timers remember, we've talked about that before in the past. And said, so what is that? And the Lord said, that's what I want the disciples to look like. I, as I've had passion for you enough to go to the cross and die for me, I want you to love me and to love one another the same way. In fact, Jesus says in John 13, 34, and 35, he said that a new command I give to you is that you would love one another as I've loved you. 
And by this love, you would so prove and demonstrate that you're my disciple. So if we're going to be a disciple, we need to have that same love. Purity. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then in John 8, 31, it says, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The issue of power. Told him, don't go. After he told him to go, don't go until you're endued with power. Uh, Luke 4, 18 and 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. We need the power of the spirit. And the last one is prayer. And prayer is not an event. Prayer is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of relation, relating and communing with God. It's not a, a, have to, a formal thing. It's a, it's a relational thing. And so God gave that to us years ago. Like, okay, this is what we're supposed to be. We're, these are the kinds of things that we need to recognize. I need to be passionate for him and to walk in purity. I need to have the anointing and the power of God and, and just live a lifestyle of prayer. So what does a disciple do? Same thing Jesus did. Pastor Chris shared last week, Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to preach deliverance to the captives and restore sight to the blind. It's what he did. He quotes that out of Isaiah 61, and then he goes out and he does that. Read the, the Bible. And right after he quotes that, you go through looking at Luke 5 and 6, and that's exactly what he did. He healed the sick, he cast out demons, and that, that's what he did. So that's what Jesus wants us to do. Oh, and he made disciples. He gave himself away to 12 people, one of which would betray him. He knew that, but he still gave himself away. He preached to the multitude. He fed the multitude. He knew of 70 well enough to send them out. But at the same time, he did send them out, and he sent them out, and he fed everyone that he sent out. Remember what he told them to do? Do the same thing I've done. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. That's what he told them to do. Everyone, every disciple. I, I, you know something? I just don't think he's changed his mind. Yeah. I, for somehow, I just don't think he wakes up and goes, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to do that again. No. My Bible says that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he changes not. Yes. Hebrews says he doesn't change and he can't lie. I think he still wants his disciples to do the exact same thing as to represent him on earth. Now look at, uh, back to Matthew chapter 28. I just want to point out here, is we, we, we've talked about going and making disciples and baptizing them. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So that, the part of what we're to do is to not only to be a testimony. Remember, Acts 1 says, be due to the power so you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. So I'm, I'm not talking about we're supposed to be witnesses, but we're also supposed to instruct in righteousness. So not only are we supposed to live a life that we model, but we're also supposed to be able to help people understand how do you think biblically? Obviously, we've not taught that. because We have a whole world of people that don't think biblically. They may be born again. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. I'm not the Savior. But all I know is, is that we've, we got, we've got to be in the Word. We've got to know what does the Word say. How in the world can you instruct somebody if you don't know it yourself? So we're back to the same old deal. 
I can only help somebody to the degree that I've allowed the Word of God and the Spirit of God to work in my life. To the degree that I've connected and let somebody disciple me will be the limit of what I've been able to disciple others. Amazing. I, I'm watching some of the football games, and they keep going back and talking about the, the pedigree of the coaches. And they'll trace them back to, they'll say, oh, yeah, these coaches are all on the same staff with Andy Reid. And, oh, those two coaches are on the staff with him, too. I'm sitting there going, wow, that's called discipleship. It happens to be in football. Well, you understand the dynamics of Dave. And again, I don't know what he did. All I know is that it's my responsibility to be a disciple. I can't make somebody disciple me, but I can learn and I can hear. And whatever they did or whatever he did, they received from him because they're all in the playoffs. Isn't that interesting? So whatever they learn, they learn something. And so that's why I'm saying we've got to learn. We've got to understand. We've got to teach. We're not, again, it's not about just getting people saved. It is getting people saved and then teaching them and instructing them. And you know what the best way to do that is? Model it. That's what Jesus did. See, he modeled the reality of what it looks like. And that's what he's called us to do too. A lot of stuff is caught, not just taught. Jesus didn't have a program. He didn't have a, even a church meeting. He didn't have a particular way. He lived the Word. Of course, He is the Word, so He lived it. But I mean, that's what He wants us to do. He wants us to live the Word in such a way that, that the Word becomes flesh and dwells in us, that the Word, then the people around us begin to see that Word and go, oh, that's what that looks like. The reason I don't do this it's not because I'm so wonderful. It's because the Word says don't do that. So what happens is you begin, to, you begin to live according to the Word, and you begin to model to those around you what does the Word look like lived out? What does it look like to look like Christ, act like Christ? That's what He wants us to do. He wants us to be that, that person. He wants us to, to walk that out every day. To do that, we need to be connected we got to be connected to people. I can't live in isolation because I can really think I'm holy in that way. You know what I'm saying? Man, I, really, I can really think I'm wonderful if I'm just out there by myself. I need to be connected to people that are willing to give and take and pour into each other's life. Now, the last part of this is really amazing. It says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I mean, wow, what a promise. He promised him, he said, I'm not going to leave you, but I'm going to come to you. And how did he do that? By the Spirit. And so he who has all authority has commissioned us to go, and he says, oh, and by the way, I'm going to be with you even to the end of the age. Isn't that amazing? So, I mean, we've, we've got the promise. We've got the commissioning. We've got what to do. We've got the model of how to do it. And he says, hey, by the way, I'm just going to be with you too. So we've got everything that we possibly need to be a disciple, to make disciples, to do what he's called us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, now I'm just going to, I want to share just a few minutes of what, uh, again, you can, you can chalk this up as to um, what I believe is going on today in this world. And uh, we're, we're facing interesting times. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you're turned to, and I'll have these on the screen, this is Daniel chapter 2. 
just want to make a point to make sure we're very clear with what's going on. We're supposed to make disciples, but at the same time, we need to hear and make sure we understand that king is on the throne. This is a dream that Daniel interprets for Nebuchadnezzar. I'm just going to read a couple of verses, verse 34. He watched while a stone was cut out without hands. It struck the image of the feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were crushed together, became like chaff from the summer threshing floors, when carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the images became the great mountain and filled the whole earth. Verse 44, the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it will stand forever. Folks, that king, dumb, is Jesus's domain. Yes. He brought his kingdom, preached his kingdom, demonstrated his kingdom, and he is the king of his kingdom. Now, why that's so important is you always got to stay focused on, folks, we win. It doesn't matter who's getting elected, who's not getting elected, who should get elected. Uh, the fact of the matter is we've been focused on, we got to stay focused on Jesus. Uh, and I, we need to be involved, and I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, we need to pray. We need to be involved. We need to be informed. But at the same time, we've got to stay focused on who's on the throne. Matthew 13. And these, all of Matthew 13 are parables that Jesus tells about the kingdom. Again, his entire message, all of his messages are about the kingdom. He preached the kingdom. He demonstrated the kingdom. And I'm just going to break in here. This is verse 33. So another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. When a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. He tells these parables. And one of the things I just want to point out here is that, look, when you put leaven in this meal, you don't really see it or how it's working, but you see the results. And the, the parable is that basically, mm, you don't, may see it, but I'm going to tell you something, it's going to affect everything. And that's the bottom line with the parables. He tells a parable about the wheat and the tares. And you can, um, you can read it yourself, which I encourage you to read all of this in, in chapter 13, verse 24 through um, through 30. But I'm going to read beginning in verse uh, 37. And why I'm going to is because I love this. When Jesus tells a parable, a parable, he uses different symbolisms and topologies to explain things. And what happens is it's easy. Sometimes, I'm, I'm sure we've all done this to some degree, we sort of interpret it the way we want it to be. You know, it, it sort of this fits the way it should be. Well, in this particular parable, in the wheat and tares, Jesus interprets it himself. So I don't have to try to figure out what he's saying. He tells us, verse 37, he answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Getting all this? I mean, he's explained it very clearly. He's not leaving it up. He said, okay, those mean this and this is that. Therefore, the tares are gathered, as the tares are gathered, burned in fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will ascend with his 
send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness. Cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, be sure you're in the right group. <laughs> now, a lot of people looking for that first group to get out of here. <clears throat> Better read that again. <clears throat> Make sure which group, which, which group you're going out with. This is what Jesus said. Now, why is this important? What we're experiencing today in this nation and across the face of the earth are two crops growing up simultaneously. We have two, you cannot tell the difference between the wheat and the tares when they're growing. I grew up on the farm, we grew wheat. And when that crop gets more mature, what happens is that you begin to put the seed, the fruit, the seed begin to fill out in the head of the wheat. You begin to tell there's a difference between that and this green thing over here that's sticking straight up. It doesn't have any fruit. Now, I'm not supposed to be out here telling who's, who's what, the tares, that's what he said. You can't tell. Uh, don't go pluck them out because you can't tell yet. But what's happening is, is that we got these two crops growing up simultaneously. Again, it's not a Republican deal. It's not a Democratic deal. That's not it. Two crops, those in Christ, those not in Christ. Their crops are growing up simultaneously. And when it gets to the end, I don't know when the end is, but it's closer than it was when he said it 2,000 years ago. So whenever these two crops are getting, isn't that true? I mean, I don't know when it is, but it's a lot closer than it was when he said it. And it's still not the end because we're still here. These two crops, and when the seed in that wheat head gets full, and, the, and basically it's the wheat stops growing, it bows over. And those tears just stick straight up. Now, that's what he's saying. That's what we've got going on right now. We've, we've got, you know, we've talked about 2020. Remember, we were going, oh, yeah, 2020, clear vision. Folks, we got it. <laughs> it's clear as can be. <laughs> Man, whoever said that was right on. I don't think they had thought about what we were actually seeing. Listen, evil, wickedness, manipulation, it's all being exposed. Things that can be shaken will be shaken so that that cannot be shaken is going to remain. I'm just going to tell you, it's better be sure. we better be sure our feet are on a rock. Now, why is this so important? Okay, go to Matthew chapter 10. I promise I'll finish here. You get my one shot here. I'm going to go to preach until, <laughs> until noon. <laughs> Pastor Chris come back and go, nope, next year you can have a... Okay, this is chapter 10, Matthew, verse 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take up his cross and follow me, he is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life will find it for my sake. Encouraging words. <laughs> the Luke account said, I did not come to bring peace. I thought he was peace. He said, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. What is the deal? The only peace there is, is in him. He said, I came to bring a sword. So what do we have? What do we have in this nation? 
People are saying, well, we're so divided. Uh huh. Uh huh. Gonna stay divided. Light and darkness don't mix. Let me just point out some more encouraging verses. <laughs> it may be a long time before I share again, so I'm just going to get them all in right now. <laughs> First Peter chapter 2. This will, uh, I mean, we just, we need to hear truth. Not that, not that we don't hear truth every Sunday, but I just say, I get a chance to talk about the nation of where we are. Second, First Peter chapter 2, verse 6. I'm just going to break in here. Therefore, it's contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He who believes on me will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were appointed. Again, we're not trying to take it out of context, but the point is, is that Jesus is the rock of offense. The issue is Jesus. The issue is not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It's not whoever else you want to think of. The issue is Jesus. Everybody is going to be confronted with the reality of who is Jesus to you. When he said that to his disciples, who do men say that I am? They said, well, they say this and that, but who do you say that I am? Well, I'll tell you, that's, that's the issue. Who do you say that Jesus is? Now, that everybody is going to be confronted with that issue. And apparently, not everybody is going to like it. So if we're looking for unity, there's only unity told in the body of Christ. We're to maintain the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. Psalm 133 says, how great it is for brethren to dwell together. But who, with that little first word, brethren. And well, the world is not going to get together and all hold hands, sing songs to each other. This place is intense. Jesus said it. In me, you've got peace. In the world, you have tribulation. Don't fear, I've already overcome the world. So why I share this? You know, it's like, well, what's the answer? That's right. It's the same answer it's always been. Go make disciples. <laughs> Nothing changed. See, our assignment hasn't changed based upon what's going on in the world. Our assignment's not changed because who's in the White House or who's not in the White House. And I, I, I'm, please hear me. We need to be involved. We need to pray. We need to be informed. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that we've got to stay focused on the reality that Jesus is the issue. He's on the throne, and he said, go make disciples. And change his mind. And that's what we're supposed to do. So really, what are we supposed to do? Go make disciples. Disciples that look like Jesus, that act like Jesus, that do what Jesus would do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you do not change. And we just thank you. I ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, help us to be a disciple. And right now, wherever you're sitting there, just ask him to say, Lord, help me be a disciple. Let's don't pray for somebody else. Let's pray for me. Help me. I want to look more like you. I want to be like you. I want to 
I want to know you and not just know about you. I want to live my life in a way that reflects you. Lord, help me. What do I need to do? What do I need to do now to be able to, to be more like you? The more I'm like you, the more I can make a change and help others to make that change. But first, I need to be a disciple. This morning, right here, right now, if you may be here, you may be watching. It all begins right here. Don't look for another. Don't look for some event. Don't look for something to happen outside of your personal life, choosing today to be a disciple. Between you and God. You say, look, I'm going to be with you. No fear. I'm with you. All the way to the very end. And it's still not the very end. Father, we love you. We bless you so much. You're so grateful and thankful for life. And we just love you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.